everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and I'm on Twitter, at BobbyFantasyPro. We've got a great guest today. It's Brent Hershey, GM of content at Baseball HQ. Brent, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. I've really been looking forward to this. Yeah, great. Uh, glad to be here for my first time. Excited to... Uh chat up some baseball with you. Yeah, so we're going to be talking some news today. Uh, Waiver Wire, obviously, is going to be a big part of the show. Then we've got the listener mailbag at the end of the show. I know you're a big prospects guy, and I don't think there's any questions in here for prospects, maybe in the Waiver Wire section, but I wanted to ask you, because I've been seeing Matt Manning just tearing up Double A after being amazing last year for the Tigers, and I'm wondering, would you rather stash Matt Manning or Forrest Whitley at this point? I still uh, would go with Forrest Whitley. Well, he's closer for one thing in Triple A. Uh, I think he's he's just a level pretty much above any right-handed pitching prospect at this point. He just has the ace kind of size and uh, makeup and and just the ability to kind of you know control those five pitches when he's on. I know he got beat up a little bit. Uh, I think over the weekend and the start. But Manning is certainly, I mean, if depending on what your choices are, is a worthy candidate too. But he's still at Double A. Uh, when I saw him last year, he still had a little bit of, you know, kind of a ways to go in sort of his uh, changeup development, has a hammer, curveball, and a really good fastball. And I, I expect him to, uh, at some point, uh, get on a roll and probably move up to Triple uh, A at some point this season. But I think long-term, uh, Whitley is still sort of your what you look for in a prototypical kind of ace impact guy uh, at the minor league level. So I, w- I, would, I would still go Whitley here. You're right. Yeah, Whitley is the top prospect in, in baseball, at least for pitchers. And uh, Manning, I don't think, is, is all that far behind. I look at what Walker Buehler did last year. He only threw 23 innings in AAA before they called him up. And then he was a top 15 pitcher for the rest of the season. I could see Manning doing something like that. And I worry about the Astros maybe. Just having so many options that they let Whitley sit in the minor leagues a little bit longer, whereas the Tigers, um, you know, I guess they're not competing, so there's no need for them to rush Matt Manning. But uh, I wonder if Manning isn't as close as Whitley actually is. Yeah, it's so difficult. I mean, you're right. <laughs> you know this, but uh, from years of watching these guys and, and the or- how the organizations, uh, you know, handle prospects like that it's 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 i mean trying to uh determine when it's impossible to forecast what yeah when the, when the call-up is going to come and all that sort of thing it's really uh, a futile attempt to try to <laughs> in some ways try to nab other than like vlad and you know uh, you know if he's healthy and gets past that deadline they're going to bring him up but but in other cases like that it's just so uh you know, for one, teams just think so much differently than than what we do, and they have all sorts of additional informations and evaluations, uh, and then just circumstances depending on, you know, a. I mean, I mean, you have the Tigers against the Astros. I mean, it's obviously two ends of the spectrum as far as, uh, you know, wanting to win now versus later, and how that affects uh, how they handle their prospects, uh, as well as you know, just the different uh, theories of development sometimes, player development that have in those uh, different situations. You know, with all my points, I, I think that I still agree with you. If Whitley and Manning are both available, I'd rather stash Whitley. Now, obviously, you can't have 10 IL people on your team right now. Um, you've got to have deeper benches to be able to do it. But if you're in one of these leagues that afford you to pick up a prospect, I think Whitley's about as good as it gets, even more than some of those hitters like Bobochette, Nick Senzel. Uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's the case. I mean, especially when we're looking at it on a fantasy perspective. I mean, we all know having 
having that sort of uh, ace pitcher uh, that can dominate is is uh, so valuable. So yeah, and pitchers can hit the ground running right away. Yeah, and when you have someone with Whitley who checks off so many boxes, like I said about size and stuff and and uh, ability to command like a deep arsenal uh it seems like with what we can know uh he's really kind of the the prototypical guy that could come in and and really um, impact you know from the get-go all right guys we're gonna get to news in just a second but today's show is brought to you by pristineauction.com you guys have heard me talk about this and i got myself some used game baseball bats to hang up in my office i'm gonna get a, a nice wooden back wrap made and put it where I can see it from my desk. I just think it adds to the decor and everything like that. And I, I love building out my cave through Pristine Auction. There's some incredible values. You can do stuff like that, or you can get framed signed baseballs. I saw Gary Sheffield signed baseball just went for 39 bucks. There's all kinds of values every single day, and everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources on pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. All right, Brent, we're going to move on over to the news. And, you know, there isn't a ton this week. There's always, you know, like 10 guys who are fantasy relevant going on the 10-day IL because that's just what happens. Like Austin Meadows, there's really nothing to talk about. You hang on to them, all these guys. If they're on the fringe, yeah, you might not have enough spots. You might have to cut them loose. But Aaron Judge went to the IL with an oblique, and this isn't especially fantasy relevant. But I want to ask you, with the Yankees missing virtually their entire best lineup, their best pitcher, their best, you know, best relief pitcher besides Chapman, do you think the Yankees are actually going to still make the playoffs? The Red Sox, by the way, are also under 50% in their probability to make the playoffs. I think this might be the Rays' division to lose at this point. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, and as well as the Rays have played, uh, certainly from the get-go, and what we know and have seen of them sort of getting the most out of their players the past several years, I think certainly, yeah, in New York and in Boston, they you know need to be looking over their shoulder for that. I mean, the the rash injuries for uh, the Yankees has just been, you know, just crazy, and you know it's a long season, all that, and and so I, I I'd have to think still, you know, outside of Didi, there's not any super long term for what we know now, it's not anyone really that's sort of out for the season, that kind of thing at this point. So you figure those guys will find their way back. But on the other hand, uh, you know, you do worry about, you know, Severino injury being worse than what we think. Um, and and with, you know, kind of Stanton's injury history and, and some of these other guys, how how well are they going to recover? Um, but it's certainly, yeah, I mean, it's certainly an interesting race, I think. Who would have guessed this? It's, it's just crazy. I mean, I know we're early into the season, but with how things are starting to shape up, you almost have to wonder if the Rays are becoming the favorite. They've got the best record in baseball um, and the Red Sox. I don't know what is going on, but I think their roster might just might not be as good as we all expected it to be. I thought they were a hundred win team. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I think the, the pitching, especially on that uh, for the Sox has really uh, surprised a lot of us that um, isn't quite near as solid as what we thought um, going in. All right, Arodas Vizcaino was shut down for the year. It looks like it's A.J. Minter's job. Now, this may be Craig Kimbrell's spot to come in. I've heard the Mets are looking at him, too, and then they would move Seth Lugo into the rotation, which I think makes a lot of sense. But if Craig Kimbrell is not the closer in New York, would he even be worth owning? The Kimbrell and, and Keuchel stuff is just crazy to me. It's amazing, uh, yes. Yeah, it's, it is amazing. I mean, I, 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 I still think that Kimbrell especially – is going to sign somewhere and most likely where he signs, he's going to have a, you know, a prominent bullpen role somewhere. Uh, like you said, if it's back, if it's back in Atlanta, 
you know, even if for some reason he would go back to Boston, I mean, there, there's just all, and, you know, throughout the league, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, there's fewer kind of set closers, obviously, because of the changes in the game and all that sort of thing. But I think if, if he ends up signing somewhere, he'll have a, most likely have a prominent role. So I, I do think, you know, kind of in mixed leagues where you have the option of stashing someone, I think at this point he's still a good stash in that sense. I mean, we've owned Dellen Batonsis for years. Josh Hader, when he wasn't the closer, was extremely useful. And Kimbrell, while he's not on Hader's level, he's right up there. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's certainly, you know, yes. And, and given, yes, uh, the past couple of years, some of the skills have been, uh, you know, taking a little bit of a hit. Uh, but it's but it's still at a level, I think, that for, for fantasy especially is uh, can still be useful. And like I said, especially when you compare him to kind of Keuchel, you know, who, again, I can't, is, is crazy that he's still out there, but being a starter and kind of having to, at some point, even if he gets signed, sort of build up, uh, you know, his innings and all that kind of thing. So it's going to be later, most likely, till he actually uh, debuts and all that, that kind of thing. So I think Keuchel is, because of the, because of the closing experience and the situation he is in, uh, is more likely to kind of return value sooner. And it's amazing. AJ Minter right now is owning still just 43% of leagues. If you poll everyone, I would guarantee pretty much everybody out there has the Braves in their top 10 teams. He's likely going to get a ton of save opportunities. And I get it. He hasn't started the season all that well, but we're just like 12, 10% into the season. I mean, if he has a 3.0 ERA the rest of the year, he finishes with a 3.39. That's not bad at all. It's a, it's a, it's a long season. He's going to be just fine. He always has been. Yeah, and all these, you know, all these relievers, uh, you know, he's one case, certainly. I mean, you know, it's seven innings pitched so far. So it's it's just like, as you said, it's just uh, ridiculously early to uh, to try to, you know, get some sense of decent evaluation about some of these guys are. Yeah. I mean, who would you rather have, him or Cody Allen? I think the A.J. Minter offers better ratios, just as many save opportunities, maybe more, more strikeouts. And yet Cody Allen's owned in 80% of leagues right now. And that's, I mean, I think that's probably just name recognition kind of thing. But, but I hear you. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, some of the ownership uh, percentages are interesting, uh, as we'll get into <laughs> a little later. <laughs> All right, last piece of news here. Uh, Cole Tucker was called up for the Pirates, and I know he's not on a lot of people's radar because it wasn't this big old prospect, but he's polished. He seems to be MLB ready, and the way that he conducts himself, if you've heard him in interviews, I mean, this has to be one of my favorite players already because he is just so professional and impressive. I love this kid, and I think he's going to be a good rookie. I think he's, uh, you know, a, a more uh, a high floor, you know, uh, kind of guy than than a high ceiling one. Although he'll, you know, he has a good size, uh, and he'll and he does have some, you know, some semblance of kind of a home run stolen base combo that you know can kind of help your team in in that in that way. So yeah, I. I mean, it's someone that I've seen in the minor leagues like several times the past couple of years, and because of the, he was a high pick, I was always, you know, interested and kind of followed him a little bit. I figured he'd be, probably be up at some point this year, but that that was a an early activation that um, surprised me. He was crushing in AAA, 994 OPS. He's got 47 and 35 steals each of the last two years. The kid can fly. His power's coming on. Um, I don't think he's going to be some kind of savior like uh, like Mondesi was last year, but I do think he's worth owning in in pretty much every league. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially I mean, you know, it's the, the last step is always the toughest. I mean, how are these guys gonna, uh, you know, how are the numbers gonna translate once they hit the majors? 
quite frankly, I mean, in his case, I'd, I would have liked to seen a little more. He spent all, I'm pretty sure, all year at AA last year. So I would have liked to seen, you know, a little bigger sample at, at AAA to just to make sure you know what you have. So there, I think there's still some there's still some bust potential, but there's enough of kind of broad base of skills there that can help you in, in several different ways that, uh, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's someone you, you could benefit from by getting on, uh, getting on board early and rostering him here in the next uh, couple of weeks. You know, and I want to warn everyone, if he does get crazy hot at the major league level, like he was to start the season in AAA, don't go selling, you know, selling your your boat for uh, for Cole Tucker in dynasty leagues because he's. I don't think he has that big of an upside. Uh, I think that at the very most, he's you know shortstop number ten. That's good, but it's not a top one hundred pick. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment too. I mean, and uh, you know, way back uh, way back when the Pirates drafted him, I think in the first round, he was a a definite outlier for a lot of teams that didn't didn't feel like he was i was shocked he went in the first round yeah <laughs> certainly yeah a first round pick if uh whenever that was five six years ago you know with all these injuries brent i've been getting a lot of questions like what kind of strategy should i use here like should i just hang on to all these guys and let them rot on my bench or should i you know go out and buy these injured stars like luis severino and scooter Jeanette? or you know how do you balance this with a lot of teams having four or five six 10 guys in the IL already and not enough IL spots. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you said it there at the end. I mean, it really depends on uh, what your league parameters are. I mean, in in leagues, obviously, that have, you know, a fancy league that has a, you know, no cap on the IL, you can just uh, stash guys. When there's a cap on there or they're you know, mixed in with your reserve list you have a certain uh, maximum, you sort of do have to decide, uh, you know, Certainly, yeah, one of the most difficult decisions is deciding who to let go and, and managing your roster that way. Um, I mean, I think, and, and and it also sort of depends, too, on kind of what you have invested uh, in these players already. I mean, quite frankly, the, you know, the, the news that we could hear on New York about Severino, which you mentioned and I mentioned earlier, is, uh, you know, it's not real positive <laughs> to me. Yeah. That's why you don't draft these guys with injury optimism. How many times do we have to learn this lesson? Yeah. And, and, and for him, for instance, you know, uh, getting injured kind of or, or getting wind of some stuff that was off sort of in spring training gives me pause when I'm drafting then as far as the investment that I'm willing to put into him, either auction dollars that I'm spending or obviously the round I'm picking him in. But it's just for cases like this because the teams don't always tell us exactly everything like they, you know, don't need to. And everyone's rehab doesn't always, you know, doesn't always fit with what they think. I mean, there are setbacks in that. And I hate when people blame the teams for that. Like, come on, can't you see that uh, they don't know everything? They can't know everything. They don't have to tell us everything. Yeah. And from the player's perspective, I mean, there's different mentalities about do I grind through this? Do I, uh, you know, let the team's medical staff know at every little tweak? You know, all that kind of stuff that that uh, also plays into it. But I, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but it's certainly, it seems like there's more kind of bigger injuries that, like you're talking about, where you have to decide quarter, sort of uh, how to manage that for your team. And like I said, it's it really depends on kind of the league uh, format you're in, like I said, with how long to, you know, wait on these guys or to move on and look for the, you know, the Cole Tucker that just came up or the someone else that's, you know, surprisingly playing well and uh, you want to plug in and try. 
you know, we've got a lot of waiver wire guys to talk about that I think are solid pickups this week. So it may be time to cut bait on certain guys. Obviously not Severino. I would suggest hanging on to Scooter Jeanette. But I would I would say look at your league. And if it's Roto, you don't need to hang on to as many injured guys. You've got to fight for all those counting stats. If you're in a head-to-head league and you feel confident you're going to make the playoffs, say you're in a 12-team league and six teams make the playoffs, I would be more inclined to trade for these injured stars and just say, I'm going to sneak my way into the playoffs, and when I do, I'm going to have the best roster when I get there. It differs a ton between Roto and head-to-head. Yep, that's a yeah, that's a very good point. Uh, the, the, the two those formats are very different in, in that way, and, and uh, certainly if for some reason, you know, Severino takes till mid-July to get back, and by September he's humming, and you have him, you know, has, as like you said, in a head-to-head league where you've stashed him like that, uh, can be a playoff difference maker, obviously. Yeah. All right, we're going to move on over to the waiver wire here in just a minute, but I want to talk to you all about TickPick. If you hate paying too much for tickets like me, you need to check out TickPick. TickPick is easily the fastest, cheapest, and easiest app to use for tickets to all your favorite sports events, concerts, theater, you name it. There's no fees, and all tickets are 100% authentic. Think StubHub without the fees. Guys, I saw a 35% fee for tickets uh, that somebody bought. They sent me this and said, do you guys know a better site? Go check out TickPick. You don't have to pay anything. You can save that 35%. Guys, TickPick empowers customers to score the best tickets on any budget. You'll get the same tickets from the same seller, but absolutely zero fees. You'll end up saving 10 to 15 to 35% on every ticket order. And check this out. TickPick's giving all our listeners an amazing offer of $15 off an order of $99 or more. All you have to do is enter the promo code FPROS15, all one word, at checkout. Remember, that's TickPick, and use the promo code FPROS15 at checkout to save $15 off an order of $99 or more. Your price, your seat, no hidden fees. TickPick is where smart fans buy tickets. All right, so on over to the waiver wire, and we're going to keep it rolling the same way we have. We're going to go 40 to 60% owned hitters, then 20 to 40% owned hitters, 0 to 20%, and then we're going to flip it over and talk about some pitchers. Then we'll close out the show with a listener mailbag. So, Brent, we'll let you start us off. 40 to 60% owned hitters. Is there a guy or two that you're especially fond of in this range? There's several that uh, jumped at me, uh, out at me. I'll, I'll list a couple of them and then go into one specifically. I like what uh, Brandon Lyle's been able to do uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, uh, having his versatility too, he may be one that even with Wendell coming back, but and Meadows going on a DL, at least for the short term, I think he'll continue to uh, get playing time there. Christian Walker is one that I'm interested in, sort of one of these uh, under-the-radar guys that at one point were a higher prospect and and sort of fizzled out, uh, getting his chance in Arizona. Just like Jesus Aguilar last year, right? Uh, In a lot of ways, yeah, that's very true. It's very, uh, yeah, it's a good good comp. And again, in Arizona, I think where they're looking for some pop, he's a a good guy. One I definitely want to focus on is uh, Max Kepler who, uh, when we were going through, we do a a baseball forecaster uh, book that some of your listeners may be familiar with. I'm very familiar with it. (laughs) He's one that jumped out to me just as really several power metrics that we look at were all kind of on the upswing. And I think at one point in his development, we thought he was going to hit for more average, but I I think he's he's probably not. I mean, he's probably going to be a... 240, 250, 260 sort of guy. But the power metrics, I think, we, you know, are uh, exciting. And, and in this year, uh, even though his, his contact rate has backed up a little bit, again, we're still talking small samples, obviously, but his hard contact is up and his fly balls has, has stayed up. I think he's only had three home runs so far, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's still someone I believe in as far as, you know, a mild surprise 
in in the home run uh, department. And so the fact that he's still in this 40 to 60 uh, range is getting, you know, it's getting everyday playing time. He hasn't even been playing baseball for 10 years either. He just started playing baseball when he was 16, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a late comer to the sport or whatever like that. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, and he's kind of, you know, at that right age, I mean, that's not as used to, big a thing as it used to be, but, but the fact that he's young and has had several full years under his belt, and obviously the Twins are kind of committed to him, like I said there, uh, he'd be someone certainly that I'd be interested in, in, in that 40 to 60 range. So guys, it's been a week since we did our last podcast. So in case you forgot, I just want to remind you, this is now the fourth consecutive guest analyst who has recommended Max Kepler in this range. <laughs> if, if he is still available in your league, and that's the one that every single one of them highlighted, if Kepler is still available, and I completely agree, I think he's a very solid source of power, a little bit of speed. I think his batting average isn't going to hurt you either. He's going to get a lot of runs and RBIs in that very good Twins lineup. He needs to be owned in virtually every single league. I would rather, in this range, pick up Matt Olson and Scooter Jeanette, depending on your league type. Obviously, Roto, points league, you can't do that but I mean if you can make space for these guys they're both top 100 talents Scooter Jeanette in his last 1,000 plate appearances has more RBIs runs home runs and better batting average than Freddie Freeman and he qualifies at second base he's going to be back eventually he's going to be a major help down the stretch Matt Olson hits for an absolute ton of power his batting average isn't all that bad he's kind of like a Reese Hoskins light Obviously, he's not Reese Hoskins, who's a top 40, 50 fantasy baseball player, but Matt Olson is a top 100 player in his own right when he comes back with that handmade bone injury. As long as he can you know, deal with the pain, there's nothing that can prevent him from hitting for that power. So I would expect 20 home runs the rest of the season when Olson comes back. I'd love to pick up those guys. If not, you named all the guys on my radar. Max Kepler, uh, you named Brandon Lowe, Christian Walker. The only other name I want to add in right now is Clint Frazier, who's still mashing the ball for the Yankees. And for a while, I thought, no, oh, he's going to be back in the minor leagues or you know on the bench before long because they just have so much talent. With everyone injured, Clint Frazier is going to keep playing. He's going to keep hitting. He's like a uh, – I heard someone say this. He's like a, a modern-day Paul O'Neill, and I loved that comment. <laughs> yeah, and uh, actually, I mean, I have Frazier on my list in this <laughs> – you know, in the, in the names I was whittling down, certainly. So we're on the same page with that. I, I mean – Frazier is someone, uh, again, I get to see a good bit of uh, minor league games here on the East Coast and have watched him. And especially even last year in, in AAA, uh, once later in the season, I think it was uh, late July or August, he had sort of, uh, you know, kind of gotten over some of the concussion things, but it was still, but he, he looked really good and, and uh, always loved the bat speed and the athleticism that he brings there. And he was someone, certainly for me, at the beginning of the year was one of these under the radar guys because of the stacked Yankees lineup. Um, and now with all the injuries, I mean, he's a, he's a mainstay. And while I don't think he's going to hit at quite the level, you know, that he's hit the ground running uh, here early on. I, he's definitely, uh, yes, definitely someone else that I think will find his way uh, into a bat's for the foreseeable future anyway. Yeah, I'm certainly not expecting it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he if he did because he's a former top prospect, high first-round pick. He's got all these tools. He's playing in Yankee Stadium, batting in the middle of that lineup right now. And um, he's just one of these post-hype guys that everyone forgets about because he didn't get his chance right away. He didn't hit the ground running. He is this season, but he didn't previously. He could eventually become a superstar. We've seen guys like this. Christian Yelich was, was fine when he came up, but he wasn't what everyone expected. And look at him now. I'm not saying Clint Frazier is Christian Yelich. Uh, he called on and hold on there, guys. But uh, I think Clint Frazier does have that kind of potential. Yeah, for sure. I think... Uh... 
and and you know if in worst case scenario uh, everyone comes back i mean if the yankees need a piece i mean he could be a trade opportunity too that would end up and certainly if if that would be the case he would probably be uh you know a highlighter that would go to another team and and you know with a position kind of waiting for him so i think it's uh, i'll tell you they should have done that with miguel anduar they should have traded him for jt real Muto this season <laughs> i don't know if that was a real trade discussion but it was floating around out there and i was like this guy is i, I didn't obviously predict some kind of injury but uh you know i didn't think he was going to be as good as he was last season man they should have had jt real Muto. All right, before we move on to the next range, I want to ask you, okay, if you need a catcher, and if you do, you are not looking at very good options, but you've got Omar Navarez right now, Austin Barnes, Francisco Cervelli, Mike Zunino, Danny Jansen. If you have to pick up one of these guys, I'll throw in Jorge Alfaro there because that's actually my call. Uh, who would you pick up? I have I have a catcher in the 0-20 to 20 <laughs> range that I like. I, I am a Mitch Garver believer. He he was the one that stood out to me in the zero to twenty percent owned section, and I just think uh, while he's not gonna again like he's right now is performing way above what he should be, but catching is a spot obviously where you know we're in a down swing. I think everybody's looking for a catcher. You know, I, I, his his he's always had a decent contact rate. He's had some good power in the minors for some reason he wasn't kind of a top prospect moving up through uh that system had you know had a good half season last year before he had some injury stuff you know again i think i think he could easily win that kind of full-time job right now he's sort of job sharing with castro there i think well he had a really good season last year before his injury i did not realize that 268 45 rbis that doesn't sound good but for a catcher that's above replacement Right. When you're talking about, you know, that he fills that catcher uh, spot. He, yeah, he's just someone and I'm not sure. Actually, I know I had him rostered somewhere last year and I was thinking about it over the weekend when he had that huge game. I don't think I have him at, at any in any of my teams this year, but uh, still someone I think because again, because of the position, because of the kind of the hit tool ability, at least. And I think he'll give you some power. Uh, he's a, he's a, a decent ad if um, you're looking for a, a low owned catcher in, a, in even a deeper league kind of thing. You know, that's a good name. I should have named him. I was moving down the list in terms of, you know, how much they were owned. And so I missed him because of that. But he's definitely near the top of my list because I assume he's going to get the playing time. He's always been a quality hitter. I know a lot of people are going to want to roster Cervelli or Zunino chasing the power, uh, maybe holding out hope for Danny Jansen. Um, for me, my guy, I already mentioned him. He's owned in, in few leagues as well. Jorge Alfaro, 34% of leagues. I mean, if you didn't drop a top four catcher, this year chances are you're hurting at the position but you know I think he's owning just 34% of leagues he's got a 59% hard hit rate 92.5 mile per hour average exit velocity both among the tops in the league the only thing lacking is consistent playing time but Miami seems to be answering that bell lately we've now seen a full season's worth of games from Alfaro over his career 273 batting average 18 homers 57 RBIs friends that's a top five fantasy catcher I think that he could be joining this second tier of fantasy catchers before long now that he's playing pretty much every day. Yeah, I mean, certainly as someone I'm uh, very familiar with, saw him a good bit in the minors and, and last year. I mean, I think there's still there's still some, uh, you know, there's still some swing and miss issues there. But he has, you know, he has certainly all fields power you know, ability to drive the ball the other way, um, out to right center. And if he, if he's able to continue to improve that, 
contact rate, and he certainly is is running into you know running into home runs some uh, now too, but really has the physical skills. And and there's another case where you know when you think about the MLB team context, I mean he was one of the headliners for a real muto, right? So the leash is going to be long, <laughs> I would think, as far as uh, giving him the opportunity to establish himself there to kind of uh, you know, to sort of take that over from Real Muto. Um, and, and plus he's, uh, a ton, uh, of fun to watch defensively too, uh, cutting down runners with that, uh, army. Yes. So yeah, I've got to say, I'm pretty disappointed now for, I remember back when, before he was with Philadelphia, he was with Texas. He was one of those international signings. He, I don't remember what year it was, 2013, 2014. He had like 20 stolen bases. And I thought, here we go. We're getting a fantasy catcher. who's going to hit 15 homers, 15 stolen bases every year with a quality batting average. He doesn't steal anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm sad. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't steal, but he does. He is very athletic and has. Uh, you, you, if you watch him day to day, there'll be times when uh, he'll make you know a routine ground or a you know a medium uh, ground out sort of. Uh, he'll he'll get down the line faster than what you think. Uh, but yeah, he he won't be a, a stolen base guy. But he is. Uh, it, it's part of the athleticism package that he brings uh, to all facets of a game. And um, yeah, I'm I'm certainly uh, I would be one that would be. Rooting for him because he, he would be fun to watch if he would make more contact. Uh, he will uh, he will hit some missiles out of uh, Marlins Park there for sure. Yeah. All right, Brett, moving on to the next range. I've got three guys I'm just enamored with. Now, my favorite pickup is in the 0 to 20% range, so we're not getting there quite yet. I've got three guys I love here, though. I'll let you go first. Yeah. My favorite in this one uh, is Hunter Dozier for the Casey Royals. Another guy, I mean, I keep saying this, but another guy I happened to see some in the minor leagues. Uh, I saw him the year he was in high A where he had uh, basically the most success he has had up till uh, this point. And just a just a solid uh, right-handed hitter, short swing, uh, doubles guy that could, could uh, you know, once in a while get one out, but just a, a solid plate approach. You know, when he went to the higher minors, I just I kept seeing, uh, you know, seeing the stats. And I was like, wow, that's not what I saw at all. As far as a, a guy that had had trouble with the batting average, uh, you know, had uh, just way more strikeouts than what uh, his swing told me he should have. I think that in seeing what he's done so far these first uh, several weeks, that's the that's the type of player uh, you know, maybe not to this level right off the bat. But the, yeah, he's not going to hit the 44 homers he's on pace for, but 30 is a possibility this year. Yeah, and and, and 30 might be pushing it too, but I, but the point being that, I, that he's added some power, uh, he's got more uh, patient uh, when you look at his uh, major league numbers so far. This year, the, the fly ball rate is up and his hard hit rate is up. And so it's a, it's a type of player that I just believe in kind of in this range and again again team context KC you know they don't have another really third baseman uh at this point I mean he's someone though given where they're at uh going kind of younger they'll sort of I think let him uh give him you know a long leash there uh so Dozier is uh someone again like you said is not going to keep up this pace but I think uh it's going to be a solid solid uh third sacker for this year yeah, right now his Woba is 429. His uh, expected Woba quality of contact is right there, 433. It's not some kind of fluke. I'm not saying he's going to stick around all year, but he is mashing the ball. He's absolutely mashing the ball. This is what we expected Dozier to do eventually. It's just happening a little bit sooner. So he's definitely one of the three names that I was going to mention. 
37% owned. That should be flipped. It should be 73% owned. Uh, he was third on my list, however. Number two for me is Ryan McMahon. You guys heard me mention him before. Before he got hurt, he only played one game in cores. No wonder he was struggling. This is a guy who's going to be in the Rockies lineup pretty much every day, playing in cores every other day, basically. And uh, I think he's a Corey Dickerson at second base, third base, first base. He qualifies all of them in, in uh, most commissioner platforms. So I think Ryan McMahon needs to be picked up as well. And again, I'm going to remind you all about my guy, Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, the stats have not caught up to what he should be hitting. He has been destroying the ball. And I think that's going to continue. San Diego's not as bad of a hitter's park as it once was. I don't know why. I don't know what changed. I don't remember if they brought the fences in. But for right-hand batters over the last three years, they're actually in the middle of the pack. That's why when Manny Machado, when he went from Baltimore to San Diego, it wasn't as bad as everyone expected in these projection models. I think that Framel Reyes is going to hit 30 homers this year. I don't think his batting average is going to be around 270, 280. But it's not going to kill you either. And this is a good Padres lineup. He's going to drive in some runs. I own Fran Mel Reyes in every single league, and I hope that you guys pick him up too. Yeah, I like uh, I like Reyes too. That's one I had uh, on my longer list here, uh, also. And and yeah, I mean I, th- I think I mean you're exactly right about the park, and they they have kind of brought the fences in. I think maybe even more than once adjusted those in the past decade or so. It's definitely not the extreme pitcher's park that we uh, once associated with that. It's a really nice ballpark, by the way. Have you been there? Uh, one time I was there, yeah, and it, and it is uh, it is gorgeous, yes. It's one of my favorites. I would put Pittsburgh number one, San Francisco number two, and then maybe San Diego number three there. I mean, I love going to the historical parks, Wrigley and Fenway and everything like that, um, but in terms of just being beautiful and, and being at the ballpark and loving the environment, San Diego's right up there. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, anyone else in this range that you like? I've got another handful of names, but I'll let you go first. Just a couple that I had. I've been encouraged by, uh, back on the catcher, tip by Jonathan Lucroy. I mean, I think it's not going to be, it's not going to be power, but he's always made good contact, which uh, means that, you know, though his low batting average of the past couple years, you know, kind of didn't equate with how much he was making contact with. So I think that's coming. Uh, we're seeing a little bit more of that this year. And again, depending if you need a, uh, you know, a, a catcher, uh, if you're looking for that, he's a, uh, you know, kind of won't hurt you catcher and might even add some BA. Nico Goodrum is someone else I Number four on my list, yep. Had in this range, right? I mean, um, you know, a modicum of kind of the power speed sort of thing as the season goes on probably uh, picks up some multiple eligibility stuff. You can move them around, uh, which is helpful. And Yandy Diaz, uh, I think, is is uh, obviously a hard hit god for those of us that <laughs> follow that thing. Uh, and he seems like, again, talking about Tampa Bay, figuring out how to use their assets. He's batting leadoff for them, and they're scoring a lot of runs. Yeah, and, you know, again, uh, playing third and even and the ability to kind of move around a little bit. Uh, I think he's another guy in this range that uh, is a worthy add. Mm-hmm. Gregory Polanco's coming back any day. Uh, he wasn't great last year, 130 games, but he did have 23 homers and 12 stolen bases. There's obviously upside for more with uh, with Polanco. He's only owned in 31% of leagues. Uh, some other names here. Uh, Jose Martinez is starting to play a lot more now that uh, Harrison Bader's on, on the IL. Dexter Fowler's playing really well, though, so I don't know how long this will be sustained, the playing time. But while he's going, while he's in the lineup, I think you got to pick up Jose Martinez if you can. Two other names that stand out for me in this range, Nico Goodrum, you mentioned. And then Miguel Sano is still available. He's coming back soon, and he's a masher. Tons of upside. Now, he could kill you in batting average, but 
tons of upside. And then Garrett Hampson, if he starts to play every day, is one worth monitoring as well. Chad Pinder. And uh, we'll move on over to the next range here in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Ridge Wallet. I got myself a new Ridge Wallet. I've had this old wallet for a long time, and I loved it, right? But it was just so bulky that when I would sit there in the car wearing my wallet... And this is, it wasn't an especially bulky wallet. Like every wallet is like this. When you're sitting there, it gives you back pain. I don't want a back pocket wallet like that. So I got myself a sleek front pocket wallet. It's minimal. I don't have to carry all these old gift cards I'm not going to use. I carry what I need. I put it in my front pocket. And this thing is RFID blocking and lifetime guaranteed. It's the last wallet you will ever need to buy. It comes in titanium, carbon fiber, aluminum, polycarbonate, and over a dozen different styles and colors. I love my new Ridge wallet. You guys can get yours too. You can get 10% off today with free worldwide shipping by going to RidgeWallet.com slash FantasyPros. That's RidgeWallet.com slash FantasyPros and use the code FantasyPros for 10% off at RidgeWallet.com. All right, on to the final range for hitters. Then we'll flip it on over and talk about some pitchers. Who do you have here? So this is the one I had uh, Mitch Garver at. So that was like kind of my main one. The other names I just jotted down was uh, Manny Margot. Uh, we talked about San Diego. Uh, I was encouraged, even though the stats were down last year, uh, that he was making better contact. You know, he might not be the premium power speed guy that we thought at one point, but I do think the, his ability to play center field uh, out there in San Diego uh, helps him as they figure out that uh, that outfield configuration. Um, so Margot's one. I was surprised to see uh, G-Man Choi uh, in this range. Um, He's batting third for the Rays every day. Yeah, you know, just making better contact. Again, sort of an under-the-radar guy and one of these you know which i think because of how tampa moves guys around sometimes that goes hand in hand i mean some of these guys slip through a little bit diaz or or Choi or brandon Lau. but uh you know i think a solid hitter certainly at this point to add and the third one i had is even though he's on the dl Kristen stewart um for the tigers when you're in a you know, in a deeper league like this and looking for kind of that, you know, one impact thing, certainly the power he brings to the table is is worthy, worthy of a look. Now, I know he's, uh, you know, he's on the DL right now, but certainly, again, Detroit uh, going young. I think when he's healthy, he has a, you know, has been kind of on their top prospect list uh, for several years. So I think he'll have a, a spot. Um, has you know used to be a just absolute butcher in the outfield has improved that a little bit enough for them I think to play there but he also obviously DHs um, and uh, yeah and, and I think the power he brings you know can be a, an asset as long as you're not looking for a well-rounded player. <laughs> yeah, Brent, I know you play in a lot of these deeper leagues like me, and I drafted Christian Stewart everywhere just thinking, this is going to be a solid source of power who's not going to kill me in batting average. Now, I didn't know he was going to go on the IL, of course, but I'm hanging on to him because when he comes back, I'm expecting some solid play. I was excited to recommend Scott Kingery because he was starting to play pretty much every day for Philadelphia, and I love the guy's a post-hype sleeper, but he's on the IL now, so you can hang off on him for a while. Uh, Matt Kemp's playing a lot more. He's someone to keep an eye on. I'm not picking him up yet. A lot of these guys in this range are waiver wire speed dial guys that you just keep an eye on if they start to play well. Ryan Zimmerman, we know he's got some upside. He's getting a little bit older, but um, same thing with Yonder Alonso. He's had some stretches before. Um, what, what do you think about Michael Chavez, who just came up for the Red Sox? It looks like he's going to play quite a bit. I think I think the question there is more about position. <laughs> you know, he's obviously he's not going to play third with uh, Devers there. 
he, I mean, they're slotting him in at second for now. He has kind of, he does not have a lot of experience there. I mean, I think if he, if he shows that he has the athleticism to play there defensively and uh, thus get, you know, get regular lineup time, he's someone I'm interested in because he, he does have some power and, and, you know, he's fun to watch. He has sort of a grinder mentality uh, kind of thing. Again, a little bit like, Tucker, I would have liked to seen him uh, over a little longer stretch in uh, in Triple A, kind of proven that. But he's he's certainly someone to take a flyer on. I mean, if, like I said, I, I think if he handles it defensively, he can be a you know kind of a medium term solution there while some other things uh, shake out. And certainly has has the power and a, a decent batting average. I think uh, potential to uh, to do some ads there. Probably you know again probably sort of a a deep league ad only at this point. I would think. Yeah, I think so as well. A lot of people were excited about him in TGFBI. Uh, I didn't spend the money on him just because I'm not exactly sure about the playing time. But last two years in the minor leagues, 170 games, 40 home runs, 49 doubles, 121 RBIs, 919 OPS. He's batting 290 in that time. Uh, this is a guy who's going to hit if he plays, so keep an eye on, on that playing time. Uh, obviously, Jorge Soler again. He's someone I always mention uh, that, I, that I think is, is solid. But my favorite pickup this week, regardless of you know the range of ownership, is J.D. Davis. I think he's this year's version of Max Muncy, J.D. Martinez when they broke out and carried the team. It's not going to be too much longer that he's 4% owned. You can get him now before everyone else realizes he's playing every day for the Mets. And he's not technically the starter anywhere, but a bat like this you get in your lineup. He's a Houston cast-off in last year. He batted 342, 406, 583 with a 988 OPS in AAA. He's finally getting his chance with the Mets as a 26-year-old. He's making the most of it. He's got a 469 expected Woba. That suggests his quality of contact has been among the best of all hitters in baseball. He's just below Christian Yelich for 7th in baseball, and he's ahead of Ronald Acuna, Pete Alonso, Bryce Harper. I'm not saying he's going to keep that up, but I am saying this time next year we're going to be drafting him in the top 100 picks. I'm a huge believer in J.D. Davis. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm he's certainly someone I'm interested in. I'm not as as excited about him as you, but I th- I don't think anyone is. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It's good. To, it's good to know your context. I mean, I, I but I think in the in the right spot, he's certainly worth considering because yes, there are. There, it seems like there have been some uh, swing changes that have affected his quality of contact, and and those are the guys. I mean, even though it's tough to call, you know, like a Max Muncy sort of comp there, but it, but in some ways that that could be. I mean, that could be the the uh, you know the top end of the possible outcomes. Again, sort of a guy that sort of bounced around a little bit, but definitely you know what for whatever reason it clicks and. Uh, and you know there were lots of uh, lots of first place uh, you know fantasy teams with Max Muncy on them uh, last year. That's for sure. All right, Brent. Let's switch on over to the pitchers. Uh, I'm starting us off in the 40 to 60 percent range, guys. Ryan Brazier is closing every single save opportunity for the Red Sox. Please pick him up. He's 52 percent owned. Yeah, I think that is that is a good one. Like you said, th- th- there was some. You know, some questions about what they're going to do there between him and Barnes. And, of course, there's Kimbrell coming back. But I think for now, anyway, it's it's pretty clear Brazier's a guy. And I think given that team and the opportunities they should give him, yes, he should certainly not be in this 40 to 60 uh, range owned, I wouldn't think. 
I feel like a lot of times when we get to the Patriots, it's just like super obvious guys. And it's like, okay, I don't understand. Obviously, people just don't know who Ryan Brazier is or they're not paying attention. Um, but if you're listening to the show, please don't let him sit for that much longer. Uh, there's two other guys in this range that I like quite a bit. I'm going to let you go here, though. Brent, who do you like? Uh, the main guy I wanted to highlight was Caleb Smith, starter for Miami. Again, uh, like sometimes happens, the bottom feeder teams, sometimes these especially unheralded kind of either position players or or pitchers can kind of uh, fly under the radar. But I think, you know, he has a history, uh, a big strikeout history with that. He's shown that this year. I mean, his ERA isn't going to be sub three like it is right now, uh, but it's going to be, you know, it should be decent. Um, he's improved his swinging strike rate, which, you know, supports then uh, the higher strikeout rate. So I think Smith is certainly, especially especially as the season goes on and you're trying to manage categories, if you're doing a, a you know, if you're, if you're in a regular Roto League and, and trying to catch up on strikeouts or maintain that, I mean, these are the kind of guys that you might want to, you know, that you'll want to uh, have be part of your streaming or part of your uh, bench to kind of fit in where uh, they have some good matchups. So, um, yeah, don't don't overlook Caleb Smith. I just updated my rest of the season rankings uh, last Friday, and I was looking at Caleb Smith and his ownership, and there are 30 starting pitchers who are owned in more leagues than him that I would rather have Caleb Smith. Like Joey Lucchese, 70% owned. Kevin Gosman, 70% owned. Kyle Freeland, 74% owned. John Gray, all these guys. Caleb Smith running away, not even close for me. Yeah. No, I, I think he's definitely uh, definitely under the radar and, and doesn't deserve to be. Yeah. Is there anyone else you're fond of in this range? Two other guys I just picked out was uh, Brad Peacock. I think some people are afraid of the you know, the role questions there. And I think his skills and his ride him while you can is history. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he'll, he'll succeed in either role and, and can be an asset for you. So that's one. He, he's perfect for the Astros, right? Because as soon as Whitley's ready or Josh James, if you want to bring him back up to the rotation, you just move Peacock down to the bullpen and he's fantastic again. Yeah. And I think he's, yes, he's one of these Guys that you and, you know, there's a few of these guys every year where either the beginning of the year or through the year, you can roster them and know whatever role they're going to be in. They're, they're going to be helpful. I mean, it's usually high strikeout guys like he is uh, and and they'll be helpful. Obviously, the, the impact will be different whether they're starting or relieving. The other guy I had on here was just I, I like some things that I've seen out of Zach Eflin. And I, you know, it's 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 crazy to think at this point, given the preseason hype, that he's having more success than Nick Pavetta uh, in that Phillies rotation. Another former quality prospect in Eflin. <laughs> yeah, but it's just uh, I think he's at a he's at a good spot. Uh, he had some uh, under the radar kind of knee issues that before last year they got cleaned up, and he really, you know, I think that's a, that's what attributed to his kind of velocity spike. Um, he's he's able to use his off speed stuff well you know it's it's not sort of top of the rotation stuff but i think he can develop into into a solid sort of innings eater guy that you can count on uh who give you solid ratios and uh probably going forward you know being on that team should have some uh decent win potential um and and you know once in a while he'll throw in a, a stinker but that's you know how <laughs> that's kind of where we are with uh, everyone so anyway i'm i'm interested in eflin uh, at that point yeah we've been agreeing on pretty much everyone brent let's see if it continues here into the 20 to 40 percent range you're first i love frankie montas <laughs> there uh the splitter has been a difference maker since it is devastating 
Yeah, and I had sort of heard about it. Being on the East Coast, I don't get to watch a ton of uh, Oakland games, and I turned him on the other night, and I was like, okay, I get it. I mean, he is, uh, and, and for whatever whatever reason, also, you know, what, what held me back from him getting too excited on him uh, the past couple of years is just the, he's had, you know, crazy uh, high walk rates in the minors. I thought, uh, you know, when Oakland brought him up last year, it was like, why would you do that with a guy with uh, such high walk rates? And he seems to have... Yeah, he traded the walks for strikeouts. He didn't strike out anyone last year, but now we're getting the bus to both worlds. Yeah, and his control's a lot better. Uh, velocity's up a little bit. You'd like to see a little bit more swing and miss at that high of a velocity, but... And, and the other thing with him is there is some, you know, there's still some injury history that you need to, uh, you know, manage into and not but i think uh again a guy that could pop up and really be you know possibly be you know almost a, a number two type sort of starting pitcher i mean it, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility uh with his stuff to to do that so uh montas was my favorite in this uh, range uh, my favorite in this range and it's probably going to surprise a lot of people with the way that the St. Louis Cardinals rotation looks right now, I'm, I'm pretty sure the other day that Adam Wainwright was the only starting pitcher with an ERA under five in that rotation. I don't think that there's any chance that Carlos Martinez comes back in the bullpen. I think he comes back in the rotation. Last year, he posted a 3.11 ERA. Year before that, 217 Ks. Year before that, 3.04 ERA, 16 wins, 174 Ks. Year before that, 3.01 ERA. It's a very good starting pitcher. If he's in the rotation, he's going to be owned in 90% of leagues. Pick him up now because I think it's going to happen. This is going to be one we're just going to disagree on. <laughs> All right, no problem. <laughs> it's It was time. Which makes a good podcast, right? Yeah. I'm staying away from Martinez. The smaller build and the continual kind of injury stuff it's a shoulder too that's that's what makes it really bad yeah i mean i just you know there's and and there's some there's something in me that says you know when you we were talking about severino earlier there's something about me that says like that this could be severino uh this time next year as far as just you know you know the stuff's there and he's shown it before but like can the body sort of stay healthy i think it could but apparently carlos martinez didn't do any work this offseason on his shoulder he did strength training instead of you know whatever right i mean and that concerns me i mean and and i i would also i would tend to think uh different than you again i mean this you know we could either one or both or neither of us could be right i would tend to think that they would bring him back given the injury they had with him and the success that he also had in the bullpen i think that they that they could bring him back as that guy you know they need bullpen help too let's be honest <laughs> yeah i mean you know and he could be in a you know baby him along at an inning and uh, you know an inning and inning and a third or whatever at a time uh as a setup guy trying to get uh you know let him throw his gas for uh you know 30 pitches or whatever that's a that's a fair point a fair idea i like it i'm glad we got to one of those where we disagree <laughs> yeah. that would be uh right let's see if we can get a couple others because i've got some more names here i love sir anthony dominguez I, I doubt anyone's gonna disagree with that i mean he's not getting saves ryan presley same thing these are this is the andrew miller and dallin batonsis of old right these are the new guys like that they're gonna kill in ratios get a ton maybe a hundred strikeouts diego castillo same thing i i don't understand why you're putting guys in your rotation uh who aren't pitching that day when you can own players like this and get their pile up their strikeouts and help your ratios a ton no that's a that's a totally great point i mean given the volatility of a lot of the starters and along with you know the rise of these guys that are 
pushing 80, 90, 100 strikeouts per year and giving you solid ratios out of the bullpen. I mean, it used to be, you know, if Dominguez or whatever isn't getting saves, he's not really worth anything. But but no, I mean, now with the ratios that him and these other guys you mentioned, Presley, you know, give you along with the with the strikeouts. I mean, there's a there's a case to me say that these guys can be integral parts of your season long staff, you know, when you need to uh, to put these guys in for a week or or even to keep them in on that uh, eighth or ninth, you know, the final sort of pitching spot that the that the value they give you you know, and strikeouts and the, and the ratio protection uh, is is valuable for your team. Anyone else you like in this range? I'm fairly fond of uh, Michael Pineda, but no other starting pitchers I especially love. I think Jordan Lyles is a trap. Like, you look at who he's gone up against. Cincinnati, San Francisco, two of the worst offenses against righties in baseball. And then Chicago. The Chicago Cubs have a great lineup, but it was 39 degrees with howling wind in that game. Of course the pitcher was going to be fine. He's got another great matchup coming up, and everyone's going to be, oh, got to pick up Jordan Lyles. Guys, be careful. Yeah. I mean, he he was one I had on my possibility uh, list because there was some, uh, you know, but it, it could be more. I mean, I think you make a great point about context of it early on. I'd pick him up this week against Arizona. I don't have a problem with that. But. Yeah, but just be wary sort of uh, long term with him. Two that I had on here also was uh, Yanni Chirinos in Tampa. Again, sort of, you know, the role question. But, you know, he's also been signed kind of the second guy in a couple times uh, when he's not uh, gotten the actual start, which you know, uh, can work out. I think that actually helps with his wins because he's not pitching to the fifth inning a lot of times, but when he does this, yeah, he's going to pitch into the fifth. Right. I mean, yes, just ask uh, Ryan Yarbrough, right, from last year with all those wins. So, uh, you know, I'm interested in that. And the the time or two they gave him to start, he did fairly decent. Another sort of role question. Uh, I like what I've seen so far out of Julio uh, Urias in L.A. I should have mentioned him. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, a hype guy, got hurt. And, you know, L.A., I mean, they're starting rotation. There seems like they're always moving guys around. You got to expect that if you pick him up. But, I mean, he's younger than Walker Buehler, and he's really good. Yeah, and I, th- and I think especially if you're in a – especially if you're in a keeper league, I have to think that given his youth and talent and stuff, eventually as they move him – as we move on and they move him back, it would certainly make sense that he slides in there into that – you know, whatever, number two, number three spot behind Bueller and Kershaw, depending on, you know, health and all that sort of thing. But is but is a more stable part of that rotation kind of long term, be that end of this year or uh, next year going forward. Yeah, Urias is, is, is someone I certainly would, uh, yeah, I would advocate for in this range. I 100% agree that he's a great keeper. Dynasty leagues love him. I want to remind you all, though, if you're in one of these leagues that only keeps six people and you're in a 12-team league, it's only 72 players. You need someone who's going to be a top 100 surefire guy next year. It could be Urias. He's not going to be drafted there, however. So if you're in a, in a shallow keeper league like that, this isn't the kind of guy that you want to bank on, in my opinion, but I love his long-term future. Uh, let's close it out here with the 0 to 20% range, and we'll have to cut down on the mailbag just a little bit, but we've got some good questions that will work well for next week and two that we can dive into here really quick. Who do you like in the 0 to 20% range besides the obvious answer, Mike Soraka? Uh, yeah, Soraka was on there for, <laughs> for sure. For me, sometimes I'll just say a quick thing about Soraka. He wasn't my top guy, but I was on my secondary list here. I mean, I, I think especially with the, you know, the crazy depth that Atlanta has and all these young guys, it's sort of, you know, it's it's tough to kind of figure out who's going to settle 
in that rotation and who's going to be sent back down for more work. And, you know, you'll have the blowups, Newcomb and Toussaint over the weekend and obviously and rate Ren right. They'll get moved down. But I think I think out of the young guys like this, he has probably the best chance out of that group of whatever, four or five guys to kind of stick early on and be there. And, I, and he showed certainly the stuff the other night. He's Kyle Hendricks with some more strikeout stuff. Uh, yeah, that's 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 fair, and and certainly, I mean, yeah, given that Kyle Hendricks doesn't strike many guys out, that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty good thing to have. So I, yeah, I, I definitely would be Soroka. The other name, the, my top name is stuck out to me, is Taylor Rogers. I was a Trevor May believer, kind of coming in. I thought, I, I mean, I liked them both, but it's whoever got the saves. Uh, and I and I thought, you know, what I had seen out of May, but. Again, I mean, the whole idea of like a new manager coming in, uh, you know, I probably underestimated that as far as uh, how much these guys, uh, you know, how, how they deal with their bullpens differently. But Rogers, I mean, while I don't think it's a set closer thing, it sure seems like in high leverage situations, you know, they're going to him either late in the game or uh, in the ninth inning. For good reason. He's amazing. And the improvements he made last year, yeah, I mean, is uh, just uh, control and he's, you know, he, he comes off the left side hard and 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 you know is is deceptive uh but has some stuff there too i think he certainly would be again assuming you're you know in a deeper league where it's a zero to 20 percent own sort of thing i would think he would uh, give you value uh at that point and and you know that these all of these situations you just never know kind of when the good outing after the good outing after the good outing uh for rogers and and then baldelli says uh, he's my guy you know I, i'm going to him in the ninth i'm saving him because i know we can you know we shut the door every time i think that's a that's a positive thing to have on your uh fantasy roster obviously and anything that any format that uh, counts saves I've got two more names, nothing really too sneaky. Uh, Nick Anderson, we mentioned last week, 20 Ks in nine innings. <laughs> he's really good. And then I never thought I'd say this name, but here we are, Jeff Samarja. He's pitching in San Francisco. Uh, there's some questionable lineups in that uh, in that division, but he's got a 2.91 ERA, 20 Ks in 21 innings. I don't know how long this will last. I don't know if you can trust him every game, but he's somebody that I'm monitoring in this range if you're desperate for a pitcher. The other name I had was uh, kind of along that line. Jacob Junis is, is interesting to me in some aspects uh that's sort of same thing like basically monitoring him the big plus is he's in the al central so he's going to be facing uh some lineups that are not as stellar and i think you can you can kind of work him in there uh has a you know has a great one pitch that slider uh is really good and and he's shown some you know shown some small improvements uh as we've gone on so i think that's a that's kind of another name in that in that range of not a full-throated kind of you got to get this guy but uh, you know, need innings and uh, you can play matchups a little bit. Uh, someone certainly to not forget about. All right, listener mailbag. And if you guys want to send in questions, it's mailbag at fantasypros.com. We're going to answer two of them today. The first one comes from Michael in California. He wants to know which breakout thus far you most believe in and which you least believe in. I most believe in Tyler Glasnow. Is he an AL Cy Young candidate this year, like Blake Snell all of a sudden became in Trevor Bauer? I think it's a possibility at this point. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously super early. Uh, but what makes that, I think, possible is he has the stuff to kind of, you know, rack up Ks. I mean, they're they're going to, you know, they're plugging him in as a starter. 
you figure he's going to be on a good team, so he'll have uh, a decent number of wins. So, you know, it's a long shot still, I think, at this point, but certainly more, you know, more than others. I mean, these guys, like you said, Snell last year, even though he was known to be good, he really just made that next step. So these guys do that from year to year, and I think that's a possibility. I mean, I uh, he's improved his first strike percentage. I mean, his pitch mix has been better since he's been at Tampa Bay. Uh, obviously, like I said, I mean, Tampa Bay is at the leading edge with the, you know, the analytics and some of the, uh, adjustments that they've uh, done. So I, I'm a glass now believer at this point, given, again, given several of those things all lining up. I think most of the people listening to this podcast have shares of Tyler Glass now because I begged them to draft Glass now this preseason. Um, one guy I wasn't as sure about that everyone else in the industry was really high on, though, is the guy that I'm going to name. Tyler Glass now was, it was either him or Luis Castillo that I was going to mention. I can't find 12 starting pitchers in fantasy baseball that I'd rather have than Castillo moving forward the rest of the year. Severino? No. Syndergaard? No. Walker Buehler, Jose Barrios, Steven Strasburg, Carlos Carrasco? No. I'd rather have Luis Castillo. That's another good one. I I was among those that sort of jumped on the Castillo bandwagon last year <laughs> a little early. So it made me a little it made me a little wary of going back to that. <laughs> well, frankly, I mean that's that's how it is. We try to stay, you know, objective, but that's <laughs> not possible. But certainly he has the stuff. I mean, a, a change up is crazy uh effective uh and 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 yeah, I would I I, I would that I would be uh agreeing with you on that that that's a, a strong 1A for uh, Castillo. What about a breakout you don't believe in? I still need to see a lot more of uh, Jason Hayward to think that this is for real. <laughs> I agree, yeah. His approach is a lot better, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it, certainly the the base on ball rate is way up. The counter to that is that we see this, though, in, in short term, you know, again, we're whatever, four weeks in, three weeks in, you know, where some of those rates in April, uh, like walk rate, you know, are go through the roof for whatever reason. And we say, oh, the guys change. And then, you know, the rest of the year it goes back to where it was. I mean, it's just because because of this, you know, we're analyzing what we have for this first four-week period. And I'm not saying that that's for sure the case on Hayward, right? But I'm saying that that's a possibility. I mean, I being from Philadelphia, you know, it was a couple of years ago where Adubo Herrera, you know, oh my gosh, he has a 22% walk rate in April. And, you know, his, his approach has changed, all that sort of thing. And then from there, it was just, it was back to normal and it was just a short term uh, thing. But that's not the only thing with uh, Hayward. You know, his home run for fly ball rate is crazy. It was, you know, it was averaging uh, under 10% for the past five years. Right now it's at 20%. You know, yes, guys, uh, you know, change their swings and he's hitting a few more fly balls, but nothing, nothing crazy. While I admit that guys certainly change their approach and like, and certainly he has, you see him coming up, he has the physical tools to dominate. He looks like 27 homers as a 22 year old. Yeah. Blows his way through the minors. Uh, so there's, so he has that going for him, but just, you know, I'm not ready to overreact to these first four weeks on him when we have whatever the past eight years of, uh, of, you know, disappointment and kind of, uh, not an impact level player. So he was an all-star as a 20 year old rookie. And I remember when he got traded to my St. Louis Cardinals, I was so excited because I'm looking at baseball reference, the most similar player to him through age 24 was Barry Bonds. And I was so excited. I'm like, the breakout is coming this year. And he started off really hot. 
and then he just died down, and uh, I was so disappointed. But, um, yeah, Jason Hayward's one of the names that I would have mentioned. My next guy, and it's not because of the bat flip. Everyone knows how I feel about the bat flips, and that's the next question, actually. has nothing to do with that. Tim Anderson's expected WOBA compared to his actual WOBA is one of the most lucky players in the league. He's batting 418 with an expected batting average based on the quality of contact at 323. Uh, he is playing a lot better. Now, he was the number two fantasy shortstop this time last year. Everyone was super excited. Oh, he's on pace for 40-40. Then he ended up just stinking the rest of the year. We've seen this before. He's just one of these streaky hitters. Maybe the breakout's real. I'm not willing to buy in yet, though. I'm with you, too. I mean, I was, you know, suspect of his of his swing and miss, his contact rate. And, well, and his, whole, his whole plate approach. I mean, he's never hardly walked at all, either. Now, given uh, that has, I mean, his contact, you know, he's, he's, he's striking out a lot less. And he's 26 years old, so maybe he's one of these guys that is, is you know, has figured it out a little bit yet. You know, he's also more tantalizing because of that power-speed sort of combination. I mean, you know. I mean, his floor is probably a 15-20 guy, right? That's that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so that is going to entice. And, and, you know, best-case scenario, he continues to make contact at an 81% rate like he's gone this year. I mean, yes, he's going to be an ultra, you know, he's going to be a very valuable fantasy player. I just, I just don't buy it yet uh, because of the, because of the long, uh, because of his three year history in the majors of contact rates around, you know, 72, 73%. Uh, I just need to see, I just need to see more out of Tim Anderson too. So I agree. That's a good one. All right, guys, final question. And I'm going to warn you all. If you're one of these people that says stick to fantasy baseball, I don't want to hear your takes about anything else. This might offend you. Now's the time to tune out. I saved it for the end for that reason. This one's Eric from Delaware. I have a big opinion about this. Brent, what do you think about bat flips? I, I do not have a problem with it. I am of the mindset that that, yes, we we ought to embrace sort of the enthusiasm on bat flips and on Chris Archer, you know, getting fired up when he strikes somebody out. I mean, I think that that's love Chris Archer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, uh, to me, that's all just excitement sort of part of the game. I think the, there's definitely a, you know, there's definitely sort of a culture war or culture changing moment happening as far as, um, that, but I, I think the retaliating a bat flip with throwing at a guy uh, is just not. It's borderline criminal, right? It's yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not acceptable. I mean, it's uh, and and on both sides. I mean, that's the you know the what goes into kind of winning that pitcher versus batter battle on either side. I mean, there's obviously a lot of motions going uh, in there, and sometimes, and there, you know, there needs to be a line. Certainly, I don't have a problem. I find the bat flips kind of entertaining, as I as I find, you know, Critch Archer's slider getting a guy, you know, with with the bases loaded and two outs in the seventh. Uh, you know, I found that exciting too. So the, these things take take a while to change because the culture has been, you know, that that's not acceptable for, uh, so long. And, um, and unfortunately, yeah, I mean, we'll get into this stuff. We'll get in. I mean, this won't be the last time, certainly, um, referencing the, uh, Tim Anderson incident, uh, last week, you know, this won't be the last time that that sort of. And Randall Grichuk firing at him. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle here. And for a lot of people, that's not far enough. Like, they think I fully have to support, you know, players showing up other players. Guys, I think that bat flips are okay. I think they're permissible. 
I think they're stupid. I think that I think that plunking someone on purpose is far dumber. I don't like seeing these choreographed touchdown celebrations in football. I don't want baseball to turn into football where a team is down, you know, six runs and somebody hits a home run and they're looking like a total jerk. Like, give me a break. In football, they're dancing when they sack somebody when they're down 20 points. I don't like that. I especially don't like when they flip a bat and then start shouting at the other player. That's not cool. Like, I, I don't want to support people showing each other up and being jerks to one another. I think bat flips are fine, but let's be a little bit respectful about it. Baseball is the most respectful sport, and I want it to stay that way. Uh, yeah, and that's that's that would be uh, that would be very congruent with what I mean about there is a certain line. I mean, I think yeah, that the uh, I mean, I totally agree with you with the football celebrations and the uh, I don't want it to get to that. I just think there's no reason for humans to treat each other that way, and and especially encourage kids who are watching it at home to to just be jerks. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, I think you can celebrate, but yes, it it needs to it needs not to be kind of personal, uh, you know, uh, when you're when you're doing that, because I think that is that's harmful. I love that they're testing the boundary though of enthusiasm and seeing where things go, because I want there to be more excitement in baseball. But if you're saying like. You know, they're just showing personality. Well, if your personality is a jerk, I don't want to see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. Yep. All right, Brent. That's all for today's show. Um, for those of you who did tune in to the uh, this non-fantasy baseball part, thank <laughs> you for listening. Thank you to the sponsors of today's show, pristineauction.com, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. TickPick, where you can get $15 off an order of $99 or more by using the promo code FPROS15, all one word at checkout. And then Ridge Wallet, where you can get 10% off by going to RidgeWallet.com slash FantasyPros and use the code FantasyPros, all one word, at checkout. You can find Brent on Twitter at BrentHQ. I'm at BobbyFantasyPro. For Brent Hershey, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your baseball.